what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. U.S. health advisors want you to know your health coverage does not have to be complicated. If you aren't happy with your insurance plan, there are unlimited and comprehensive medical plan options available to you right now. U.S. health advisors offer solutions which can't be found anywhere else. They can even offer you the ability to purchase more coverage if and when you need it. U.S. Health Advisors offers fair rates and no surprises. Sounds nice, doesn't it? If you'd like to know more, contact U.S. Health Advisors at 828-554-3032 or by email at daniel.bryant at ushadvisors.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Forecast. We are your connection to the who's who in the game of golf. We hope to make you laugh, learn, and win and grow your golf IQ. I'm your host, Alan Burton, Director of Instruction for the Alan Burton Golf Academy at the beautiful Lake Hickory Country Club here in Hickory, North Carolina. I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in. Find us on themesh.tv and all your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. Be sure to check out other shows here on TheMesh.TV. They're all produced here in Western North Carolina. I am so honored and uh, excited to introduce our guest today, a good friend of mine, a fellow who's been teaching golf over 25 years. Uh, He currently makes his home in Savannah, uh, where he's at the beautiful club at Savannah of the Weston uh, hotel there is a beautiful facility. I've been there myself many times to attend one of his instructor-related uh, functions, and uh, I'm glad he's with us this morning. He's uh, he's calling in. I guess kind of rare that you're home. You travel so much, Andrew. I'm glad you took a moment out of your your busy <laughs> schedule to hang out with us this morning. Please welcome uh, Andrew I, Rice. Th- th- thanks so much for having me on. You know, I I love the way you kicked off the show. You said. Uh, we hope that you will laugh and you will learn. And ultimately, uh, with this spread of golf information via social media, I think it's so important that um, as a golfer out there, you're, uh, you know, you're selective in who you listen to and what you read. And, uh, and I think ultimately it has got to be um, fun uh, but it's also got to be educational, and uh, and that's the name of the game, really. Is um, is it going to be information that helps you along with some humor and some some entertainment along the way? That's what it's all about. So hopefully, we can provide everyone with a little bit of each today. Well, absolutely, Andrew. And you know our, our golfers out there. You're with them every day, and and you know that the game of golf is a challenge for some of those that come into the sport. Uh, are you a, are you an instructor that says golf is hard? Or are you an instructor that says golf is easy? How do you look at the game yourself? I would say this, I, I wouldn't say it's either, but I would say it's easier than people tend to make it. Sure. Uh, and it's certainly, I view my job as being somebody who needs to um, make the game appear easier for most people. Uh, too often uh, things can get overly complex and I find that longer I've been teaching, um, the less complex I'm able to make my lessons and my information. And I certainly, I think much the same as you, 
I teach regular golfers mostly, and yeah. a lot of the, the the instruction and that that we read in magazines and we see on TV uh, tends to lean towards tour level, tour caliber players, and um, it's so important that the regular golfer out there finds somebody that can speak their language. It's got to be good quality information, and really, the information is not tremendously different from. 15 handicapper to tour player, sure. but it needs to be spoken in a different way. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that, that there's a lot of, um, you know, terminology in our sport that's quite confusing. And um, the, the interpretation of that terminology oftentimes is so varied. So the players we're dealing with, we need to educate them in the simplest way. I know you're a, you're a technology guy. You've been exposing your golfers through TrackMan and Swing Catalyst and some of the measurement technology out there. And sometimes that does seem a little overbearing for someone as they're first introduced to these measuring technologies. But mm. these are tools for us as instructors to, to really to simplify the, the core issues, aren't they? You know, they're, they're not well, really sure, technical sure. for everyone. I think ultimately it comes down to there will always be a player, a club, and a ball. And uh, how can this technology help us as coaches relay an actionable message, relay uh, the right word, paint the right picture for the player? And I think ultimately um, all this technology, when used properly uh, from the player's perspective, is one that helps them get a feel. It's one that helps them see the big picture and they go, okay, I understand that. It allows us to quantify what direction the player is moving in. And ultimately, when a player comes to me for a lesson, they're not happy where they are, and so they need to move the needle in a certain direction. And uh, technology is going to help us do that and quantify the level, the degree of movement along the way. No, absolutely. You know, we're trying to help them move their golf ball specifically. Um, you know, you could limit the movements of a ball to some very simple things. There's a direction, there's a distance, there's a trajectory, there's a spin, there's possibly a curvature. Um, you know, oftentimes I give my player a, a kind of a set of terms and say, let's first of all define your intention for a shot, and let's call that, hey, if you could hit the perfect golf shot you intend to hit, let's describe that as your optimal shot. And what would that be? And a golfer has to start with that to get coaching to help him with that. Don't you agree? Certainly. Where do you as a golfer wish to go? Yeah. Where do you wish to go? And, uh, you know, nobody's going to rock up to the Atlanta airport and say, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for a flight today. <laughs> uh, yeah. Where are you going? You know, where, where do right. you want to go? Let's, let's establish what uh, the destination is and then, and sometimes players need help establishing what they're looking for. I think, uh, right. you know, oftentimes, and this happens often in, in some kind of a club fitting environment where the player will just say to you um, or their coach, look, just tell me what to get. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to have to make any decision. You know, just tell me what shape I need and how far I should hit a seven iron. Um, and then I'll work towards that. Give me the information. Give me the destination and then the keys to the car to help me get there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is a good time to mention our listeners out there, if you're looking to target a specific audience, it's a great opportunity to sponsor our show 
because we can get you there. As, as Andrew's talking about, golfers need to know where they're trying to go. Advertisers, you need to know who you're trying to reach, and we can help you reach that targeted audience. For more information, go to themesh.tv slash advertise or send us an email at info at themesh.tv and find out how you can sponsor one of our great podcast shows. So, Andrew, these golfers, they're, they're coming to you in droves. I understand you do a lot of uh, two- and three-day schools down at Savannah, and they're coming to you in droves. And I know you've had a lot of, um, you know, average, as you mentioned, average 20 handicappers coming to you. What do you see that these golfers are, are struggling with the most, and what gold nuggets can we pass on to these listeners that are going to help them and encourage them to come see you? Alan, it's uh... – <laughs> There are multiple levels. I think uh, everybody, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but the vast majority of people uh, would like to hit the ball further. Mm -hmm. Uh, They tend to, most of the golfers that I encounter, because they don't hit it very far, they consequently don't hit the ball very high. Mm -hmm. Um, And quality of strike, you know, we have, um, just like you experience, I I encounter faders and hookers of the golf ball, people who struggle with too much on on either side, too much right to left curve or too much left to right typical curve. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's it's really just a case of saying, okay, what's your destination? Well, your ball flight, I'll never forget, I actually had one golfer come to me uh, from North Carolina and after seeing him hit five shots, um, his last name was Moore. And so I called him Moonball Moore. Uh, and he, he just loved the nickname. And so for three days in a three day golf school, his nickname was Moonball. And by, he still sends me emails to this day where he starts off the email saying, Andrew Moonball here. And I called him Moonball because that was his goal for the three days was to hit Moonballs because he hit, you know, he hit a nine iron about head high. Right. And, yeah. uh, just too much shaft lead. And oftentimes, Alan, it, it's, it's, bad information Um, so often i encounter golfers who have been trying to for example keep their head down for 20 years and you know what they're very very successful at it um they become so good at it that it's actually hurting their golf game and whether it's shaft lean or hit hooks or you know um compress that golf ball or take divots uh, if you try to do something for 20 years my guess is you're pretty good at doing it no question about it yeah you know so many golfers you know they're coming to us with this bad information or at least they've interpreted the information incorrectly and like you say that I, i love the look on their face when you tell them you are keeping your head down too long, <laughs> you know, yeah. really. Oh, wow. So, yeah, fun challenge we have on, on the Lesson T every day. And, you know, I guess we also have to mention, you know, your lovely wife, Terry, I think she celebrated a 29th birthday again here recently. Is that true? He did. That yeah. was actually, I, I looked on my Facebook profile and I got a reminder from 2009 when I wished her a birthday on Facebook and um, she was it was her 28th birthday so oh, I said wow. hey babe look at that you know you're <laughs> you've aged one year in the last decade isn't that amazing well she has certainly figured out how to stop the clock for sure you can tell her I said happy birthday and belated unfortunately but I will uh, do. thank you fantastic lady and and your boys doing okay I guess too you got two boys um, Justin and Jameson, is that right? Yep, they're they're doing well. They're they're figuring uh, their 
deal out and um, one of them's working in Columbia, South Carolina and the other goes to the University of Georgia. Okay. Uh, neither of them play much golf, but uh, they enjoy it and they're pretty good. And right. as, as most teenage, well, not so much teenage anymore, but kind of college age boys are, they can hit the ball really far. Right, but they right. work their way through two sleeves of golf balls pretty quickly. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, as you know, I have a young son as well. You've worked with him, uh, and you, you gave him a lesson once when you were over in uh, Hilton Head. And um, how's he doing? I, oh, he's doing very well. Thanks for asking. He's actually caddying down at Congaree at the moment, so if, oh, kind so of in your area. Far. Yeah, he was up at Ban- in Banner Elk at. Uh, Diamond Creek over the last two summers and, and figured I really enjoyed that opportunity to make a few few bucks and uh, and be around golf. So that's what he's up to these days, trying to play, but uh, trying to work as well. He's, he's found a love of a dollar bill. So that's yeah. a good thing. That's yeah, a good absolutely. Thing. I'm, I'm glad that he's maybe somewhat off the payroll for a moment, at least. We'll see. <laughs> but uh yeah, you back to our golfers. If we're uh, if we're going to give them a tip or two that take, um, you know, a few strokes off their game, which is what they're expecting, you're going to help them with distance. You're going to help them with the control of their ball flight to give them some accuracy. Uh, you've been very instrumental in the short game development for our industry for a long time, and I know one of the things that I use all the time on my lesson tee that I picked up from you and and your research. Is, is the spin and how a golf ball either spins or doesn't spin, how spin can be affected by so many things. Share with yes. our listeners this fascinating concept about how ball spins off the club you know, face. I, I, I love talking about that, Alan, because really there, there are so many um, pieces of misinformation out there that golfers have bought into. And I've actually started um, keeping a note in my phone of, all the little golf cliches that golfers buy into mm-hmm. that are just plain wrong. And uh, so many of them uh, refer to spin. Um, it's, it's an eye-opener for, people, for most golfers to learn that the primary function of grooves uh, on our golf club is not to generate spin. It's, uh, they are there to actually um, channel matter and moisture out of the way mm-hmm. so that we can provide a hiding place for moisture, really, mm-hmm. um, so that the flat spots between the grooves can get gripped by the club face as the club head runs into the ball, much the same way that uh, the grooves on our tires of the vehicle that we drive much the same way they work. Right. Um, friction. I think all golfers need to understand the role of friction. And um, there is friction that occurs when a club head runs into a golf ball, no matter what happens. Uh, but there are certain situations that are going to increase that friction, that grip between the face and the golf ball, and others that are going to serve to decrease it. Um, if you've got a wedge from 1978 Uh, It's going to be hard for that wedge to utilize the grooves correctly because they've been worn down. And so there's no place for that moisture or matter to hide. Um, Just clean contact between a clean wedge and a premium golf ball. A premium golf ball is going to make a tremendous difference. And uh, people often say, well, you know, that's a tour player hitting that shot. I can't do that. And 
I'm of the opinion that everybody listening to this show is capable of generating some nice sexy spin on those pitch shots where you can get that one hop and stop look to your golf ball when it lands on the green. Uh, We just need the right situation and um, wet fairways, um, firm, hard golf balls, longer grass on the fairway, certainly hitting out of rough are all going to serve to reduce grip, reduce friction. And what happens is that's going to launch the ball higher. Uh, It's going to decrease the spin. A cool little experiment that I'd love for everybody to do next time you're out there practicing is take whichever club you hit pitch shots with, and I want you to hit 40-yard pitch shots, okay? Mm -hmm. And you're going to hit 10 golf balls. Count them out. Start out with a nice clean club and give yourself a good lie on each of the 10 shots. Notice from the first three shots you hit to the last three shots, how much higher the ball flight will tend to be. Obviously, our intent is going to be the same, but that's purely because of that buildup that occurs when grass gets trapped between the face and the golf ball, that buildup that occurs on the club face, Mm -hmm. um, and that serves to elevate the launch and reduce the spin and thus ultimately reduce control. Right. Would you say the ball is, is basically hydroplaning across the face and that shoots it's the launch up? That's a great way up? to say it. Yeah. That's yeah. a great way to say it. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what I think happens. And so that's fascinating. I know when you shared that with me, it was, it was so enlightening to understand that. And I began to measure that myself with my players on track, man. You see the launch go up. You see the spin go down. And they're not changing the way they're making contact with the ball. It's just that material on the face that creates that, Correct. that Correct. hydroplaning. And yeah, fantastic. I actually had a, a really interesting uh, encounter with Gary Woodland. This is a long time ago, and uh, I was w- watching um, Gary was hitting some little pitchy shots uh, with his short game coach at the time, Pat Goss. Mm-hmm. And Gary was uh, – he had his premium golf balls. He had a nice, fresh Callaway wedge. And he was cleaning his club after every shot with a tee. And his Mm -hmm. technique was good, but the ball was launching high, hitting on the green and rolling over the back. And he couldn't keep the ball on this little green, about a 25-yard shot. Mm -hmm. And so I'm watching, and eventually I I felt like I had an idea, and uh, I I developed the courage to go and say something to Gary Woodland. Mm -hmm. And I said, Coach, can I, can I say a word? And he said, yeah, go ahead. So I went up there, and Gary had just finished cleaning his wedge with a T. And I said, Gary, can I see your wedge? And I looked at the face of his wedge, and I saw what I was expecting to see. Um, conditions were dry. The turf he was hitting off of was nice and tight. And uh, I said, Gary, do you see what's on the face of your wedge? He said, there's nothing there. I just cleaned it. Mm-hmm. And I said, have you got a white towel? And so his caddy brought up a white towel, a little damp, and I lightly wiped the face and left over on the face after he had cleaned it was all this green stuff from grass getting smushed between the face and the golf ball. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I said, Gary, you, all you're doing wrong, your technique is good, um, but the only thing that's wrong is you're not cleaning your club properly. You, you're using a tee which only cleans the inside of the grooves instead of the flat spots. And when it comes to short game, slow-moving club heads, it's the flat spots that play a big, big role in gripping the cover of the golf ball. Mm-hmm. So I said, just clean your club with a towel instead of a tee. And he looked at me as if I had two heads, and I kind of <laughs> shrunk away because he's a kind of a, kind of a big, intimidating guy. 
And um, uh, thankfully for me, his next three or four shots came out significantly lower, one hop and stop right next to the hole. Right. And uh, I said, as I walked away, I said, guys, have a good day. Just make sure you use that towel instead of the t- <laughs> um, uh, you, did you get a tip for that information? Or is this, I didn't. I didn't. I, I, I certainly shame. didn't. But um, I'm sure, you know, I've spoken to his short game coach since then, Pat Goss, who's a lovely guy and a fantastic coach in his yeah. own right. Um, and he's he's told that story quite a few times. But uh, yeah. it, it really just goes to show how even some of the top players in the world, um, they're not quite aware of – What's going on between the club face and the golf ball? That's right. Um, yeah, that four ten thousandths of a second moment is a pretty integral part of of controlling the golf ball for sure. Yeah, yeah. and you've also you've also shared with uh, with me and certainly a lot of other golfers the the concept of pitching the golf ball and, and how important it is to as you as you verbalize it land the plane. Let's talk about landing the club in such yes. a way that they improve their, their, stri- their strike quality and their forgiveness down at the bottom of that arc? How does, how does that work for the golfer? I think it's a nice picture for people to have, Alan, uh, one of landing the sole of the club on the ground. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason why Gary Woodland was striking his ball well, but why was he getting grass trapped between the face and the cover of the golf ball? Because his club was actually landing on the runway before it got to the golf ball. Um, mm-hmm. Now, as golfers, we like to think, well, hit the, the little ball first and the big ball second or make sure we pinch the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really work that way. And most of the footage that I've seen um, shows that when pitching, when short gaming, the club will be in contact with, I'm not going to say the ground, it'll be in contact with the grass, the tops of the blades of grass, before it gets to the golf ball. And as a result, it has the ability not only to gather up moisture, but also to pick up little grass clippings, blades of grass, dirt, and get that matter trapped between the face and the golf ball. And so I think that's what – let's understand. That's what we want. Okay, that's what we want. Um, I would love to see the plane be on the runway for about 6 to 10 inches yeah. It's on the runway for a long time. I never want my plane to crash. I don't want, I'm not a fan of divots when it comes to chipping and pitching. Um, but let's picture that plane, the sole of the club, gliding along the ground mm-hmm. for six to eight to 10 inches. And picture this if that is the case, can you hit it thin? No. Can you hit it fat? If, it's, if the plane's not crashing, you can't hit it fat. Um, mm-hmm. It's running along the ground. You're going to strike the ball well. Um, you're going to be happy with the outcome. And ultimately, what the one word golfers say to you and they all say to me is they're looking for consistency. Right. And if players are struggling with their wedge play, they're struggling with the quality of the strike. If you can picture the plane landing on the ground and really sweeping under the golf ball for that little window of space from six to ten inches, that consistency level is going to go up. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And we've, we've all been taught to hit down on the golf ball too much at times. And certainly where yeah. pitching is concerned, that's making your margin of error so small. And, and the leading edge is introduced to the turf too significantly. You're going to get a digging action. Um, you know, maybe you can do that on really hard pan and learn how to do it and get away with it from time to time. But it's just not a forgiving way to pitch the ball, is it? 
Correct, correct. You know, uh, I've been fortunate to play some golf. Uh, I, I I got to play Port Rush um, mm-hmm. at the end of last year quite a few times with my buddy Martin Chuck. Um, I've been fortunate to play Royal Melbourne, Kingston Heath. And I'll tell you what, the turf is like a, literally like a <laughs> tabletop there. Mm-hmm. And um, that plane bounces off that runway pretty easily. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so there you've almost got to get the ball back and give it a bit of a pinch. Um, but you, you used a, a beautiful term, that, that, that margin for error, it gives you a very small window. And uh, I often see Jordan Spieth when he's chipping and pitching taking divots. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had as much talent and was as skilled as Jordan Spieth is, I may just resort to doing that. <laughs> uh, most of the people listening in to this show um, are not of that talent and skill level to be able to get away with that. Well, and I would agree, and I use that analogy a lot with his his unfortunate pitch shot that he hit in Augusta on number 12, where his steep angle of attack into a soft turf was uh, unfortunately not within his margin of error, and he hit right. behind the golf ball. And so yeah. that's kind of what you're up against with that steeper angle of attack and that leading edge. So we try and avoid that. And certainly on a soft turf, if you hit behind it, it's it's fat city. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I, what I think happens. And golfers have to understand that there's there's no need for the lag uh, as much to pitch the ball. And they're, they're trying to get that handle in front and driving force against the shaft so that that handle leads. And that's what yeah. introduces that leading edge and, and a lot of challenges for that golfer. So if we and can I keep think them. That, you know, that, 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 sorry to interrupt there. Um, that, that, that's a little bit of that misinformation. Hey, it's get the sure. ball back, get the handle <laughs> forward, wait forward, and pinch the ball. Right. Um, That's right. Just as an FYI, you never, ever in the rest of your golf career wish to pinch the ball against the ground <laughs> uh, in the truest sense of the word. Um, when we strike the ball properly, um, we, we hit the ball on the club face. Uh, it's the club face that elevates the golf ball. It causes the ball to go up and the ball doesn't ever get really involved with the ground. Um, the ball will actually, because the club's forcing the ball up, the ball actually forces the club down. And that's why we tend to feel like it's ball first, ground second contact, because the ball actually deflects the club head down into the ground. And so we sense that, that pinch feel, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not truly a pinch. You know, one thing I find fascinating, too, is in the winter I teach indoors. I don't know if you have an option to do that there at Savannah, but I teach indoors on an artificial mat with a launch monitor. And what I find a little bit challenging is golfers that hit onto an artificial mat with their club, they bottom out just a little too soon, the ball bounces up in the air just yeah. enough to make impact higher in the face. Have you ever experienced that yourself? You see that? I have um, one of the first things I tested on TrackMan when I first got it, Alan, was uh, shots off of a lie board. Remember mm-hmm. the old lie board? Right, um, sure. You, I used my, my old, uh, I think it was a Sony camera with, with that 300 FPS. Right. And um, the, the, the club would, and I'm sure it works exactly the same on a mat, the yep. club runs into the lie board, pushes the lie board down. Mm-hmm. The ball appears to levitate. It takes right. a while before it decides to go down. The ball just stays right there, and the club goes under it um, 
making it look like it's a pretty good strike. It's high enough on the face. Um, mm -hmm. Typically, when that happens, it's indicative of a club that's traveling a little too much down, a little too early, uh, a plane landing early on the runway, so to speak. Sure. Um, and I would think on TrackMan, you get uh, in indoors, you get a lot more upward hits with irons and wedges than you do outdoors. That that's true. That is so interesting. It's just one of those little things that you have to deal with on on an artificial surface. The ball pops up in the air a little bit if you land it early, and the contact is higher on the face. And uh, you know that's what you're dealing with. These these artificial surfaces aren't going to produce exactly the same type of impact as off the ground. So Alan, be aware can, of it. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Uh, you've used TrackMan for a long time, and you use it indoors and outdoors. I use it only outdoors. Um, do you, would you say the majority of your students hit down on the ball too much or they hit down on the ball not enough? And generally speaking. Wow, such a good question. I would say that the majority of players, uh, they, they are told to hit down and tend to hit down too much in short game shots. Um, and then there are a handful of golfers, obviously, that have wrist angle issues and, and can't get the club traveling down at the right time. So, uh, but, but, but would majority you say, so, is so the if majority. I'm between the lines, if I'm reading between the lines, you would say that generally speaking, sure. golfers hit down too much, more so than they don't hit down enough. I, yes, I, I'm saying that they hit down too much, and a lot of times it's just from steep club heads uh, in transition. Okay, yeah, and and certainly, uh, hopefully, I didn't. I, I, tr I tried to not lead you to that statement, but that's what it sounded <laughs> like you were saying, um, because that really does align with what I see. And you know, it's another piece of that, that piece of the puzzle for the golfer out there trying to get better. Is um, if you feel like you're not hitting down enough um, and you start going on YouTube and reading articles and what you're going to find anything and everything you want to encourage you to hit down more. Oh, yeah. uh, my challenge to you is, is to ask this, do you really not hit down enough? Uh, and, and I think the place to look is your ball flight. You know, if, sure. if uh, your ball flight is typically, um, much higher than any of the three people you play with. Um, if you haven't taken a divot since 1981, um, and if you hit wedges that just go so high, you know, a, a full swing with your sandwich is like 40 yards, um, that may indicate that you need to hit down more, but only right. once you've kind of checked all those boxes, really. Right. Yeah, so many golfers are struggling with their, their downswing, their transition steepens the shaft, the club gets outside their hands very early, and they're hitting down too much, and they're, and they're told to hit down. A lot of times that's some yes. of the challenge, isn't it? you got to get that shaft a little flatter. you got to transition, get the club head to trail their hands and, and see if they can come. They're still going to come down. You're just shallowing out their downwardness and, and giving them a greater margin of error to hit a solid golf shot and control the club face. Correct. Correct. And, 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 and when you make it easier, 
we can all become more consistent. <laughs> right. I love you know? that. Consistent. Which, which, which <laughs> I, I say to golfers, you know, okay, their first statement is, I, you know, I want to become more consistent. Yep. And golfers that come to my three-day school, I say, okay, I want to hear your objectives. But there's one word you're not allowed to use in your objectives, and that is consistency. Okay? And that blows everybody's um, requests up. Um, and, but I say to them, I said, uh, would, which putt would you hold more frequently, four-footers or one-footers? Uh, they would go, one-footers. Why? Because it's easier. So if we can make – um, not magically, mystically make the game easier, but actually give golfers a technique, a motion that is going to allow impacting the ball properly easier, they're going to be more consistent. What a fantastic goal that is as a coach. And that's why you're a top 50 golf digest instructor and, and so many people flock to you for your assistance. And, uh, you know, another thing we need to talk about, you've got a big function comes up annually in December. Uh, it's a thing you've created called Coach Camp. Uh, I've been an attendee of Coach Camp myself maybe three, four times, and it's a phenomenal opportunity. Let's let the golfers out there and the coaches all over the world know about what's getting ready to happen in Savannah in December. Alan, thank you. I um, Many, many years ago, I was invited to do a presentation at uh, Jason Sutton's Golf Guru. Right. Uh, I, I was there as well. <laughs> yes, uh, you know, and um, and I, I was so impressed and so amazed with it. I thought, you know, and I, I, I thought, let's try to see if we can do something like that. Uh, and maybe on a bigger, grander scale. And so for the last, uh, I would say, four or five years, um, we've been doing coach camp. And our objective every year is to bring together uh, the best, most interesting minds in golf and pretty much spend two and a half days together um, talking about edgy topics, uh, whether it be... Um, short game, long game, um, learning the mental side, um, the nth degree minutia that go mm-hmm. into really understanding um, ball flight and the golf swing that I think us golf coaches need to be aware of and not necessarily for every player out there, although we certainly do welcome players if they would like to attend. Uh, and And so every year, pretty much the first week of December in Savannah, we uh, invite these presenters and speakers in, and uh, we, we just come together as a golf learning community and try to learn as much as we can. And it's a great opportunity to ask questions and, you know, to sit next to Chris Como at dinner and say, okay, what's the deal with this, you know, or to right. to talk to Sasha McKenzie or um, some of the great minds in golf and, and just see if you can learn and advance as a coach advance your craft become better right well that's certainly it's been a great opportunity for me I've, I've done all of those things and i would highly encourage any golf instructor to attend your function coach camp uh, as well as a, a really an intellectual player it may be something that your career is missing as a player that could send you in a better direction you know um it, it's a great thing and i think you and your wife uh, terry put put that together as well as anyone we have to mention i'm sure she's instrumental to say the least in helping get such a large thing organized wise man 
Yeah. Errol was there. She, she's very, very uh, behind the scenes, uh, but definitely um, a force to be reckoned with in the organizational skills, I'm sure. We all need that help from time to time, don't we? Yep. We do. We do. Um, may, me, maybe a little more than time to time. <laughs> Well, you guys, uh, you guys go back a long way. I know your instructing career kind of was born out of being a player initially, and, and didn't you work with David Ledbetter earlier in your career as, as a I player? Did, I did. I worked with David for uh, five or six years in the late 90s. Yeah. Uh, it was – what an opportunity. You know, it was, uh, yeah. it was golf instruction, um, as we know it today, was in its infancy and – um, I got lucky to work with the guy who really was, I, I view him as the grandfather of golf instruction. Uh, and I mean that in the best possible way. Right. Um, the leader of golf instruction uh, at that time. And, you know, it's certainly if, if coming out of the 90s, if you've got David Ledbetter on your resume as a golf coach, it makes it easy and, and, and doors opened up for me, thankfully. And uh, I was certainly presented with some amazing opportunities early on, and uh, and the, the, after that, as you know, it's it's really up to you. You know, once you go out on your own, it's um, the, this amazing thing that we have now called the World Wide Web uh, that we didn't have when I started coaching, and we all you know learned from each other. We learned from reading the odd book here and there, um, but it was down in the down in the battlefield so to speak and uh, i think still think that to this day that is the best place to learn um the internet and social media can help us uh, i know this um my hobby is photography and for the last three or four years i've been been trying to become a better photographer so what do i do i go on youtube and i watch different videos mm-hmm. and um, I, no, I don't like that guy, but I really like her and I like his information. And so they become my guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're my go-to uh, people for expertise in a certain field. And I know that many people listening in go to you for your expertise. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it's got to come with a warning. Uh, you've got to spend some time and don't jump in with somebody too quickly when it comes to YouTube and uh, uh, information out there on the World Wide Web. Take your time, look around, talk to some of the better players that you know and say, who would you listen to and who would you follow along? Um, And once you've got that, then you can dive in and really start to try some of the ideas, some of the methods that the golf instructor is sharing. No question about it. There is there is a plethora of information out there. No matter what rabbit hole you want to go down, if it's photography or golf or real estate or music, I mean, there's certainly a lot of resources out there on the internet, and we we as individuals have to make those decisions so we don't waste a lot of time and go down the wrong the wrong avenues. Um, and as a as an individual coach and having the opportunity to come see you, let, let's tell everyone now how they can find you and make a personal contact, maybe make a an appointment to come down and join one of your golf schools or take a lesson with Andrew Rice. How do we get in touch with you? Thanks, Alan. Um, if you just look up Andrew Rice Golf on Google, you will find me. If, if you don't find me, there's something <laughs> wrong with the Internet that day. Um, but I'm on uh, – 
Facebook, Andrew Rice Golf. My website is andrewricegolf.com. Uh, Twitter is Andrew Rice Golf. Instagram, um, I try to put out something helpful for everybody or, or perhaps something um, entertaining for everybody every day. And uh, just see if I can help move your game along. Would love to have you down in Savannah and uh, would welcome the opportunity. Well, that that's fantastic, Andrew. And I'll tell you something, my friend. You... You've led our industry into a really good place. I, I enjoy following your career. I enjoy being uh, part of the same career that you are. And, and you have a lot of great, simple philosophies about how to get better at this game. And, and thank you for your work, my friend. I look forward to seeing you very soon and probably at Coach Camp coming up in December. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate being on. Can I, can I close with one thing for the listeners out there? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I would encourage each of you, okay, we're all coming, most of us listening are coming into our off-season. And our off-season is, uh, who knows, let, let's call it 100 days, okay? 100 days of winter. Might be more, might be less. But I'm going to challenge each of you to come up with your own plan, Okay, your own objective over the course of those 100 days. Don't put the clubs away entirely for 100 days. You might not take the clubs out. You might not even play. But I'm going to challenge you to practice your chipping once a week for those 100 days. Um, Go and work on your flexibility for those 100 days. Just pick one thing. Don't make it too complex. Don't make it too difficult or too intricate. But come up with a plan for the 100 days towards you playing better golf in 2020 once you've gone through those 100 days evaluate see how you're doing i think what it's going to do is it's going to give you some insight as to how you can really get better and i know you listen today for a little bit of entertainment but i think more leaning towards education and if you just take this one little nugget go out with a plan commit to it work hard and at the end, let's evaluate and see how you do. That's fantastic advice. I could not agree more, my friend. It's a great opportunity over the off season to get better. And so many golfers do put the clubs away and watch college football and, and do other things. And, and their springtime golf's not going to be very sharp, unfortunately. So let's all make that commitment to a better plan and, uh, and work your plan, as Andrew Rice has shared with us today. Thanks so much again, Andrew, for being with us, man. I appreciate your time, Thanks, brother. Alan. Appreciate the opportunity. All the best, eh? Yep. All right, buddy. That's it for today, listeners. I want to thank Andrew Rice, our guest. Such an incredible guy. Such incredible information. Please seek him out. He's very easy to find. He's all over the Internet. And if you are interested in being an advertiser of one of our great podcast shows here, please send us uh, an email at info at themesh.tv. Themesh.tv slash advertise is where you can find more information. We'd love to have you as an advertiser and reach that targeted audience uh, of intellectual golfers that you're trying to reach. I'm sure they're listening. Again, thanks to our guests. And we'll speak to you next time where we try to make you laugh, learn, and grow that golf IQ. Uh, Please send us your messages and comments. And you can reach me at Alan at alanburtongolf.com. Until next time, listeners, this has been The Forecast.
You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.